Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Rita, your host. Thank you for tuning in. It's our pleasure to welcome you to the program today. Please stay with us for this hour as we are uh, again uh, very happy to open the Bible and learn a little bit more in the book of Ephesians. Today we are going to talk about the unified body of Christ. I would like to welcome our panel today, and it's good to have with us uh, Denise today. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Nick. I'm very happy to be here. Jerry, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Nick. Look forward to this study. Hi, Joe. It's good to have you part of this, too. Hi, Nick. It's great to be here, as always. Ken. It's good to have you with us today, and thank you for uh, preparing this uh, Bible study. You're going to facilitate this discussion. Ken, it's uh, good to have you part of the program. Thank you, Nick. Always a privilege to be here. Well, today we have a bit of a slim uh, panel, but uh, we'll uh, proceed here. And Ken, if you like to take us through, that will be great. Thank you, Nick. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this week's study. If you have been following us over the last few weeks, you will know we are looking at the book of Ephesians and the words of Paul. This is a wonderful book filled with so much guidance and help for for believers. Paul, who was once dead against Christians and wanted to kill all of them, has had an amazing transformation on the road to Damascus. When Jesus appeared to him and talked with him, suddenly Paul is converted and wants to help and unite his fellow believers and found in X chapter 9. But let's start with prayer. Denise, would you help us with this one? Yes, I'd love to. Thank you. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to open your word. We thank you that uh, we can invite your Holy Spirit to be with us, to guide us, not only the members of the panel, but also those who are listening. So we pray that um, as we look at the unity of the Spirit, that we will indeed um, feel your presence with us and we will understand that in Jesus there is no uh, Jew or Greek or male or female or slave or free, we're all one in Christ Jesus. So thank you for this in your name. Amen. Thank you, Denise. I sometimes ask people a question in church. I show them a photograph of a Boeing 737 aircraft with a list of people below it, starting with the pilots. Then the cabin crew, followed by the the cleaners, ground crew, maintenance people, refuelers, air traffic control. Then we have the builders, engineers, draftsmen. Then finally, the board of directors and the CEO. I then ask them, who do you think is the most important person in this group? I get different answers from some, while others ponder who it could be. The answer, of course, is, They are all important because it takes all of them to make this machine come from the drawing board to the skies. And so it is with life. We all need each other in some way or another. We would not be able to function if everyone was just a gardener or a banker. And so it is in the Bible. Today, we are going to look at the unified body of Christ as we continue with Paul's teaching in Ephesians. Jerry, What was one of the first things Paul told the new believers? He starts um, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. He says, therefore, 
I, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, that word, I therefore, is like a, um, a conclusion almost of what he said just, just previously. It reflects on what he's just said in the previous chapter in verses 19 and 20 where he says, that you may know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So when this becomes a reality in the believer's life, a radical change takes place. By the Holy Spirit, we are, as Paul puts it in Romans 12, transformed by the renewing of our mind. And if the transformation is genuine, it will be seen in the way we live our lives, what we value most, how we treat others, what we do with the time and opportunities that are presented to us, to walk worthy of the calling with which we are called. That's indeed a high calling, is it not? To bear the name Christian. We need to follow as closely as possible the example that Jesus left us. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? What can I do in order to keep the unity of the Spirit so I can be at peace with my neighbour? There's a lot in these verses. Thank you, Jerry. He also made another important comment. Denise, what was this? In uh, Ephesians 4, verses 4 to 7, it says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Now, there's um, an emphasis on one, 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 and one. And I think that um, because we've talked about the mystery of the the Jews and the Gentiles getting together to form the, the early church, and it was important that there was equality between them and mutuality, and so uh, we're talking about this body being one body, the church. So anybody who came in uh, was welcome to join, and this idea of equality and oneness um, was highlighted. And also there was this giving of gifts through the grace of God to enable the church to grow. Thank you, Denise. I think that's such an important statement there. There's one body and one spirit. We all should be similar the way we act and think towards each other. We see Paul starting off this chapter by asking newcomers to walk or conduct themselves worthy of the calling of God. He urges believers to practice a behavior that reflects God's plan for all his people. Summon up in humility, gentleness and patience. Let's take a closer look at these. Joe, would you take us through humility as mentioned in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 2? Yeah, well, if I read uh, verse 2, it says, 
going on for where Jerry read, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. And so here we have the quality of humility. This is a feeling or attitude that you have no special importance that makes you better than anyone else. Someone who is not proud. I might add that humility is not having poor self-esteem or thinking you're rubbish. Humility is seeing the worth in others, uh, value in their contributions to your life or work or church, a healthy understanding of your place in the overall scheme of things, knowing that your own true value, but also seeing others as well. It's a realistic view of one's own abilities and realizing that we we all have weaknesses and that others might be stronger in those areas and welcoming their strength and input rather than feeling threatened by it. Um, no one is good at everything and or bad at everything. So we need each other to make things work effectively in a unified way. Yes, that's a good way to put that one. Jerry, how would you explain gentleness? Yeah, gentleness. I'm just thinking of some uh, synonyms or words that are close to gentleness or from the word gentle, meaning perhaps um, considerate, kind, tender, uh, good-natured, soft, unassuming, peaceful. It's um, essentially the opposite to, well, what's the opposite to gentleness? I'm thinking of harsh and stern, rough, uh, aggressive, crude, vulgar, disrespectful, all those words. So gentle is an essential quality, or gentleness, an essential quality of, of the Christian. It's fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? And um, that's the ideal. And God can transform us if we are willing to become a gentle person as well. As Jesus was. Very good. Thank you, Jerry. Nick, what would you expand on patience? Well, uh, Ken and, and panel, even before I'm going to mention about this, uh, I just wanted to say, as uh, Jerry was talking a bit earlier, Apostle Paul writing to the believers these things. And interesting that he was... Uh, talking about the spiritual to strengthen together to be one because let's be honest living in this uh, society in this world we cannot be one in all things people you know in everyday life but paul is encouraging the believers to work that the way in spiritual strengthening each other to be one because we have one direction we have one understanding we if we know god that's the difference uh, we'll uh, maybe mention about how many people um today they have different views and understanding of things spiritually which i believe is not the plan of god god wants us to be one in in everything now uh, the ability to practice patience, that's a wonderful thing. Let me just uh, bring you to um, a passage in the Bible in Psalms 27. I like this. 
I'm reading from New Living Translation. In uh, Psalm 27, verse 14, it says, Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Now, David is encouraging us here to wait patiently for the Lord to work in our life, his will. Not always things will happen as we wanted. But God has a plan for us and we are encouraged to wait patiently. Now, of course, we need to understand these aspects that we need to keep calm uh, under provocation and turning away from self-importance. Yes, but focusing on the value of other people and particularly in the unity of Christ. There's also a, a component in there that, you know, um, let me just look at, refer to the verse. It says, uh, that you walk worthy of the vocation we're with you, call with all loneliness and meekness. But also that's kind of a more passive, isn't it? You know, it's how you view yourself and others. But then it goes on to say with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, which is kind of takes a bit of grind, doesn't it, to be long-suffering, to put up with not just keeping your own ego un- under control and in check but and valuing others, but also putting up with other people's annoying behaviours and things that might irritate you. So there's, you know... That long suffering is to suffer long. <laughs> it has that connotation, doesn't it, of extreme patience and forbearance and um, endeavouring. So endeavouring is like it's not going to be easy. Unity doesn't come in a flash. You're going to have to endeavour um, to keep this unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, but it's essential. You're not going to get anywhere without it. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Sometimes you hear people say, "What's what's the greatest virtue? And, um, well, I guess it's different things for different people, but when you think of patience, sometimes you have to exercise extreme patience, uh, with a, a situation or an individual. And, uh, it, you know, it's one of those things that I don't think comes naturally. You know, we all tend to be a little bit impatient. And, uh, it's a test. Patience is a real test. And especially for the Christian who looks forward to the second coming of our Lord. When you think historically about how many generations have have longed for the soon coming of our Lord, and well, they waited all their life, you know, they were all patient, and that's why the Bible also uses the term patient endurance. We we have to we have to be in it for the long haul, and um, it's it's a discipline for sure to be patient, but there's 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 something wonderful about it. Patience as well. I think it, it really teaches you. It's a, it's a great teacher on, on how to deal with issues in life. And, um, yeah, it brings its own reward, I think. Um, when I look at these characteristics, being gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love, aren't they related to the fruits of the Spirit? So these are qualities that we don't, generate ourselves as as fallen human beings these are things that the spirit um when we invite the spirit into our lives where that he creates in our lives that he uh when we 
um, on a daily basis, keep inviting the Spirit in, and He provides these things for us as we ask Him. And that's what I believe it's important, you know, uh, to understand uh, what that means to wait patiently for the Lord. Because, you know, in these days, uh, if we are um, tested, let's say, on our patience, you know, we can easily just disconnect from that situation or those people, you know, and uh, just go our own way and avoid the situation. But actually, God is inviting us here uh, to be patient in the middle of all the trouble and tribulations because we'll have those things. And in the church in particularly, in the family of God, you'll have those things going on. And how can we move on and be the real child of God to put in practice all these virtues? Yes, that's very, very true. And I think today patience must be one of the most missing things in the world. Everywhere you go, people have got virtually no time for anything. I often, I'm sure many of you are the same. You're driving along the road and uh, you come to a junction and you're waiting to get out. And people was past and very rarely do somebody stop and let you out. So that's one of those things. But I often, I often think about as I watch the news at night, how different our world would be if we all had these qualities, even if we only kept the second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, how different the world would be, be a much better place. Now, many of us have heard people say about other people, they are so alike, they think the same, they act the same, they sometimes even dress the same. It's as if they were one in one, the same person. In Ephesians and Chapter 4 and verses 4 to 6, Paul has a list of seven ones. Joe, what are these? Well, um, I think that Denise has addressed this a little bit earlier, but I've got a few new thoughts. Um, I think that uh, I'll read the text again. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of peace. Okay, you. now you mentioned that some of these people, there are people out there who dress the same, think the same, look the same, talk the same. You know, I don't think that this is unity. These are, <laughs> you know, I don't think God expects us to be like that. I think he wants us to be unified in diversity, that we can be different, that we can complement one another um, and work together in our diversity to reach everyone. Now, I think in these texts, Paul is uh, drawing their attention to the fact that there is one God overall. There's no fragmentation. Um, this isn't a time when there were numerous or, you know, lots and lots of gods. There were patrons, saints and gods of every description. Every town had its own god or saint, and there was rivalry of whose god was the greatest. This spirit, unfortunately, reared its head in the church from time to time, and I think of the time when Paul had to write to the Corinthian church where he wrote to them that, uh, you know, there was disharmony, you know, I, I, you know, he says to them, 
I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree with one another in what you say, and there be no divisions among you, but you that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, and another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. And he asks them, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? And here Paul is addressing this oneness, you know, the completeness. It's, it's you know, there should be no fracturing there. there. There is only one faith. Interestingly, he starts the list with one body. Now, if I had written this, I would have probably started with one God and Father of all and worked my way down to the one body, you know, like this is the the lowest on the pecking order. And yet here Paul has put that first. It's interesting. Maybe because it is of great importance, um, maybe greater importance than we even realize. Another point also with this uh, focus on oneness and this emphasis, this sevenfold emphasis on the unity and completeness and wholeness. Now, we know that the new Christian church comprised of many nationalities. Now, you might remember that the Romans brought back many slaves. I believe there were even Celts in Rome. Um, they were brought down as slaves. And so you would have had a mishmash of all nationalities there and and who would blame them for wanting to to cling to one another because they could speak the same language and ate, you know, enjoyed the same kinds of foods? And so um, it, the temptation would be to form a clique that would be a bit, you know, bit, uh, you know, unfriendly to perhaps other other cliques. So you could see the Jews hanging out, the Turks, the Greeks, and Paul calls them there to one body, one spirit, and so forth, into a unity that they hadn't experienced before. Now, they probably were cliques, and this is why he calls them come together. And that is what he refers to perhaps in his earlier letter, earlier in this letter rather, in chapter 2, where he says that he, you know, so as to create in himself one new man, one new man, not two, three, four, five, thus making peace, thus one new man, one body. It's something for us to to ponder on, isn't it? The importance of being unified, even in our diversity, is um, just to embrace all. Hmm. Gary, you have a comment? Yeah, just following up on what Joe uh, emphasised about unity. Uh, in, in politics, they say disunity is death. <laughs> and, and and so it is in the church, I think. When we, and she, she mentioned um, there is one body as being mentioned first. It's through the body, the church, that the plan of salvation is to be proclaimed to the world. And um, if the body is is fragmented, then there's going to be trouble. And, of course, the devil tries to sow discord in the body and, and break it up. But um, Paul says, if, if when Christ dwells in your hearts through faith, that you may be rooted and grounded in love, I think if that's the case, if, if that's the ideal, isn't it, that we, are, that we are grounded and rooted in love with Christ dwelling in our hearts, then there would be that unity that he that he so uh, promotes and, uh, you know, and seeks to uh, establish. Very important. 
But as Nick was saying earlier on, it, it's, it's certainly a challenge. And even in church, it's a challenge. And it's something we all are working our way to and, and trying to be better at it. But as human beings, we often fail. Nick, what was uh, Paul trying to tell us here with these comments? Well, uh, I believe um, uh, Ken and Penel, I believe that uh, very simply here, Paul is telling uh, us that uh, by virtue of being uh, father of all, uh, God is, you know, the creator and um, relates to to all things, everything he has made, including me and you. You know, God is our father. And we need to look around us. And when we look upon even people or situations and to understand that we are here with a purpose. We are God's creation. We are not just as Joe mentioned here or, you know, that, oh, I come from this background. I have this sort of understanding or attitude. No, we are under the same father, God, the creator. And if we understand that, we'll love each other as we should in a proper family. You know, I know these days families are are very dysfunctional, you know, uh, and it's not easy to take uh, an example from there. But let's look in the Bible and how the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, they all work in oneness for our uh, benefit, for our salvation, in the end, and probably that's the best example in the Bible to take, you know, to look at God, how God act in in this unity of the Godhead. And I think that's a very good uh, point to start, if we like. I think, Nick, there's an important point there that comes through all of that, and that is uh, God is no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter if you're a billionaire in this worth. Uh, in this world, or you're somebody that's down and out and on the street, God lives, loves each and every one of us exactly the same. And how fortunate are we for that? Because it's not some club being a Christian. It's a fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're so blessed that we're able to do that and that we don't have to pay legal fees or membership fees or belong to some particular group. We're so blessed. We have read many times that Jesus is the link or connection to God, as we read in First John, verses 6 to 11, where Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Jerry, what does Jesus mean here? Well, just backing up a little bit, uh, Ken, the, the greatest of all God's gifts is, of course, Jesus Christ. Jesus comes from the Father's presence, to live in a sinful world and live a life of perfect obedience, offering himself as a, as a spotless lamb, the lamb of God on Calvary's cross, and thereby paying the penalty for the sins of all who have ever lived or will live. And it is only through Christ's sacrifice for us and our faith in him that we receive forgiveness for our sins. He alone, I think that's what we're coming to, he alone, is Saviour. It is through Jesus Christ only that we have access to our Heavenly Father and the promise of eternal life. 
That's so important. Nick, you have a comment? I just want to mention again here to our listener that uh, we are very happy to still offer that uh, amazing uh, devotional, uh, God's amazing grace. And uh, my dear friend listening today, I would like you to send us a text message with the code SABS1 to 0482098383. Why not to send us a text message right now? And uh, we'll be very happy to share with you the devotional. Thank you, Nick, for that. A very important verse has just been read there. One many believers don't know about or ignore, and that is only God, Jesus, can forgive sins. No man or woman can. The Bible is very clear in that. After Jesus returned to heaven, people were gathered together for the day of Pentecost when an amazing thing happened. Denise, what was this? It was truly an amazing event. I'm going to read um, a summary of it. Um, or a, a paraphrase, starting in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 9. When the day of Pentecost came, ten days after Jesus ascended, they were all together in one place, praying for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, as Jesus had instructed them. Suddenly they heard a noise coming from the sky, like the rush of a mighty wind, and the sound filled the whole house. Then they saw what looked like flames of fire that separated and hovered above each person's head. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and were able to speak different languages as the Spirit empowered them. This happened while devout Jews from all over the Roman Empire were visiting Jerusalem. Others heard this strange sound and word quickly spread throughout the city that something unusual had happened. Soon a large crowd gathered outside the house where the apostles were meeting. When the apostles came out to speak to them, the people were amazed and couldn't figure out how each person heard them speak in his own language. They said, this is incredible. Aren't all these men Galileans? If that's the case, how can we all hear them speak to us in our various languages and dialects at the same time? People were there from Parthia, Media, Elam, Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and other parts of Asia. So an incredible experience um, and the it was such an amazing experience that 3,000 new believers from many uh, nations joined the church that day and they enjoyed fellowship together, they shared food together, they prayed for each other and I think this um, event with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is referred to as the former rain and there, we know that, that uh, from the Bible there's going to be a latter rain later, uh, be, just before Jesus comes. Thank you, Denise. What an amazing thing. People from other countries and cities hearing the gospel in their own language from people who could not speak the language, what we know as the gift of tongues. Now, any organization needs people in different roles to keep the wheels turning, and followers of Christ need to see him. God knew all this before he sent Jesus to this earth. Jerry, how did God do this, and who were these people, and what did they receive? And using the Holy Spirit, he sent gifts to his followers, as we read in Ephesians 
4, verses 11 and 12. And we read there, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we see a variety of gifts and we see in our own lives too, you know, in our churches, we often have these uh, seminars and uh, to find out what's your, what's your particular gifts. We have different gifts, don't we? Uh, some are good teachers. Some are good listeners. Uh, some are um, called to be evangelists and so forth. And and that's how it works. Each bringing their own particular gift that they have been given to the edification or the building up of the church. And it's all, and, and it's interesting how one gift is not more important than the other. It's like elsewhere it's described as a, as a human body is made up of different parts. And each part is essential for the functioning of the body as a whole. And so it is with the diverse gifts. There's a, an important statement here, which is worth noting in verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints or the followers of Christ. What does that mean for the the um, edifying of the church or the perfecting of the saints? You know, what's that uh, expression again? Does God call the equipped or does he, does he equip the called? The equipping of the saints. If you present yourself to the Lord for service in his church, he will equip you, he will train you, he will... Um, make it possible for you to do a certain a job within the church. You know, sometimes people say, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that, I'm no good at this. But that's not the right attitude, is it? We should present ourselves and say, Lord, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? And if you have that attitude, then, then there will be something that you can do for the Lord. And um, every, every little bit, every person's contribution is valuable. That's very true, Jerry. First John chapter four and verse one says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because there are many false prophets have gone out into this world. Joe, you have a comment. Yeah, in relation to what Jerry was just saying about that text that he gave some to be apostles and prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And it all works to the edification of the church. Notice that this must have been the problem because he goes in from, you know, telling them about there is one body, one spirit, going through the unity, that there is to be no fragmentation. And clearly there must have been some falling out over whose job it is to do this and who's more important and um, all that kind of thing, the usual thing that happens in offices and churches and homes and workplaces where, you know, we have like we like this hierarchy and one's more important than the other, one's getting paid more than the other. But he says, no, that he ascended on high. He led captivity captive and he gave, gave gifts to men and he gave some to be apostles and some so forth and so forth. So this was something clearly that was worrying, worrying the Ephesian church that there was a little bit of snobbery going on perhaps as to, 
is it, you know, whose turn is it to be up the front? And um, who is God speaking through? And um, my gift is greater than his or hers and so forth. So I guess it's um, that even in the gifts given to us by God, these can be abused when we use them to compare ourselves to one another and often with us coming on top. You know, this is the way our own minds would probably work it. Um, so, yeah, do not even use God's gifts to compare one another with um, so that your ego may grow, but rather be humble. Yes, I think as we have mentioned earlier on, there is one body, one church, and one gospel. It is little wonder that people get confused when it comes to Christianity. According to Google, we have 45,000 different denominations in this world Where would you start? Well, the answer to this is in your Bible. This should be your first and main reference. Then when you see what God has put in place for his people, look for a church that follows these instructions. Even in Paul's day, people were being led astray by false doctrines and ideas, as we read in Ephesians 4, verse 14. Nick, is this a warning? Is this warning found anywhere else in the Bible? Yes, definitely. Um, uh, can we can find this warning in other parts of the Bible? Uh, I'll come uh, to that um, in a moment. I just want to share with you something. I came across um, some years ago. We were studying the Bible. Uh, a group of people from many denominations. Uh, at least at that time, I think I had six or seven denominations being part of the, that Bible study. And one day they ask a question and say, Nick, which is the true church? Because I believe each one of them, they believe that they are in the true church, you know, they're following Christ. And it was a very tricky question, but I believe God inspired me at that time to say this. And I started with all of them in the group. We have Orthodox, Catholics, Baptists, Pentecostals, and so on. And I said, I believe the true church is the church of Jesus Christ, the church which follows Jesus and his teachings. And I said, I think needs to be like the Catholics. Wow, the Catholics very happy, you know. <laughs> what do you mean by that? I said, it needs to be universal. One church, you know, how the Bible says, one faith. And then I said, I believe it needs to be like the Orthodox. And the Orthodox are happy now. What do you mean by that? I said, to have the right teaching. Because Orthodoxa means right teachings. And then I keep going like that. I said, well, we need to be full of the Holy Spirit. And guess who are very happy at that time? It, It were those... Pentecostal uh, believers, because, you know, and I said that true church should have the fire, you know, of the Holy Spirit among us all. And I keep going like that. And I said, the love of God, Baptist preaches and so on and so forth. I didn't say anything about myself and my beliefs as a Seventh-day Adventist. I was trying to move on. But I said, hang on a second. You said all those things about other groups, other churches. What you're going to say about uh, yourself or the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And you know what? Again, I believe that was under inspiration at that time. 
I opened the Bible and simply I just read Revelation chapter 14, verse 6 to 12. And that was the three angel message. We looked at that in previous uh, studies because I believe we are called to preach a message which is relevant for the time we live in. And that is the three angel message. And verse 12 says, here is the patience of the saints who keep the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus. Now, you ask, Ken, if there are false teachers these days. Of course, the enemy of God and of each one of us will try to do everything what he can to deceive us, to take us away from the love of God and for the plan of God for us. And just to mention uh, in few places, time is going fast, but I just, my dear friend listening today, if you like to look in Second Timothy, for example, in uh, uh, chapter 1, verses 18 to 20, will mention about this word Titus, uh, chapter 1, verses 10 to 11, Hebrew, um, again, uh, chapter uh, 13, verse 9, and in Second Peter, uh, chapter 2 uh, and verse 1, I just want to say this, but there were f- also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereignty of the Lord but them bring swift destruction on themselves. Yeah, there's an important uh, verse in First John chapter 4, verse 1, and I'm just paraphrasing here, that says there, Dear friends, don't believe everything you hear. Test what you hear by the word of God, because the world is full of false prophets. Now, that's pretty obvious if you uh, see and listen or hear what's being said in many of the churches and by those who profess to be a prophet of God. We live in a time where anybody can put anything on, on the internet and say that they've got a message from God and it's so obvious, isn't it, that, um, that it's not in harmony with God's word. So we have to be very careful. So many voices out there with so many different messages and do they are they in harmony with the word of God? That's that's the thing. Thank you, Jerry. That is so true. And as we heard a little earlier on, with 45,000 different denominations in the world, it's very easy to be misled. We have spoken many times about one God and one doctrine, as it tells us in the Bible. God wants his followers to know the truth and be in the light, not in darkness. It would be wise to pay attention to the words of Matthew in chapter 7, verses 21 to 28, where he says, Not everyone who calls me Lord will enter into God's kingdom. The only people who will enter in are those who do what my Father in heaven wants. On the last day, many will call me Lord. They will say, Lord, Lord, by the power of your name, we, we spoke for God. And by your name, we forced out demons and did many miracles. Then I will tell those people clearly, get away from me, you people who do wrong. I never knew you. Denise, 
Why is God turning away these people who followed him? I think it's because they spoke the words that they thought were important. They said, Lord, Lord, but they didn't obey the commandments. They didn't put their their faith into action. So they acknowledged Jesus by mouth, but they didn't uh, follow his commandments. And we we know that verse that says Jesus, where Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Thank you, Denise. Uh, Just reflecting on the, the verses that Denise just mentioned, that must be the the worst possible situation to be in when you think that you are serving God and when the day arrives, when he returns, you hear the words, depart from me, I never knew you. Now, you think about it, you have basically um, been living a lie because you think that you know the Lord, you think that you are serving him, but as Denise pointed out, they they interpret the gospel in their own way instead of the way that the Bible clearly unfolds it. And we have to be careful, don't we? We we can't we can't interpret the plan of salvation the way we want it to, to be. But we have to stick to what the Bible says. It comes back to what what does the scripture say? And if we do that, then we will find the only way and the only way is to to live life the way jesus wants us to live it and to follow his example and that basically comes down to what jesus said in in in, in john uh what is it chapter 14 verse 15 if you love me keep my commandments denise you have a comment yes if you look at the verses just before the ones that you read um ken in matthew 7 21 to 28 just before that jesus is talking about the parable i was talking about uh, false prophets wolves in sheep's clothing but he's talking about trees us as trees and uh every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire so by your by their fruit you will know them. So this is talking about people not just saying they believe in, in God, but by their actions, following him, uh, keeping the commandments, doing what he's asked them to do. We are talking about uh, unifying the body of Christ because that's what Apostle Paul was uh, all about. Now, we heard this and we hear this around quite a bit that we need to unite. And you may heard about the word ecumenism. Uh, people want to unite. I mean, is that the sort of unity which Paul is talking about here? Is that to be united regardless of what we believe or how we approach things, as long as we are one, as long as we agree with each other and recognize that there is one God there? Is that what Paul is all about? I think Paul is more than that. Paul is talking about the unity in the truth, the unity in Jesus Christ and to understand because Jesus said there is only one way, one truth, one baptism, one shepherd. We can't even think of of this. Oh, but there are 45,000 different religious groups and so on and so forth, and says, oh, each one will have something true. Yes, each one may have something true, but here we are called to unite in the whole truth. 
to preach the, the whole truth, not just to preach bits and pieces here, because we may miss on the most important thing. As I said earlier in the story uh, I shared with you, we need to be one in all those aspects. And may God help us to understand that and to progress into that direction. Nick, that's such an important point, which I I think we may have missed there. And that is that uh, United Body of Christ, when we were talking about this, we don't mean all the churches uniting together because, I say, with 45,000 different denominations, you're never going to agree. The Bible makes it very, very clear there is one body, one doctrine, one church. The only way to find this out is to read your Bible. Don't listen to what the different churches tell you. Check things out in your Bible first and then see who is preaching what is in the gospel. I think that's quite clear. Well, we're almost out of time again. I want to finish with some key points about today's study from Ephesians. Denise, would you start us off? Yes, Ken. We should support our church with our abilities, with our uh, our gifts that God has given us, and do what we can do to uh, uplift it, to increase it, to spread the gospel. Yeah, a healthy church is a health is like a healthy body. You know, you have to look after it, take care of it. Each each of us has a role to play in church, um, and all service is valued if done in humility and love. Remember, listeners, it is Christ who we are working for, not man. We read in Acts twenty and verse thirty five. It is more blessed to give than receive, something very important. Something we can take away from the study today, apart from one body, one God, one doctrine. Well, our time is just about up. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you have enjoyed the study and want to know more. As we often say, the Bible is the best place to start, as we read in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Joe, would you like to finish in prayer? Certainly. Father, thank you for your word, um, which is the only safe guide for us. Human nature has not changed, and unity is one of the hardest things for us to achieve for many reasons, but ego and a lack of humility is one of the arch contributors to the disharmony in our homes, workplaces, churches, wherever we work and, and are. Please help us to be aware and appreciative of others' contributions. Help us to value others while maintaining a healthy self-esteem. We know that true humility is not possible without Christ and the heart. So come into all the hearts listening today so that we will become one with Christ so that we can be one with others in our lives, recreating us a new heart, a heart that embraces others different to ourselves and the truth in Christ in one body. Make us all one, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you, everyone, for your participation today. Uh, indeed, this is not a very easy topic when you talk about unity, particularly in a, such a diverse uh, society. But um, I hope that we learn a few things 
from Paul's letter uh, that uh, we have one father, we have one God, and under his guidance and direction, we can be one. We cannot be one if we try humanly, uh, but um, uh, if we are allowing God to work in us, the change and the transformation under the Holy Spirit, we can experience that. Maybe we are a little bit uh, skeptic at this point in time, talking about unity, because we look around and we see disunity. But why not to allow God to unite us all in his truth? My dear friend, listening today, we are inviting you to join us again next time, because we are going to learn a little bit more about uh, Christ-shaped lives and spirit-inspired speeches. What a wonderful study that will be because we need to to learn that, how to even talk, how our speech should be in these days. And again, I will invite you, my dear friend, to claim the offer which we have for today. And that's a, a book, a devotional, God's Amazing Grace. You need to send us a text message with the code SABS1. The number is 04820938833. May God richly bless you. Tuning in next time. God bless.
close with God Can answer in my fray So purer light shall mark the road That leads me to the land 